Welcome to The Dish, the culinary travel podcast focusing on the stories behind world-famous foods. We are your hosts, Tom and Megzi from foodfuntravel.com. Join us for tasty histories, destination food guides, and more. In this episode, the history of naan bread from ancient peasants' food to the royal courts of North India. Plus, we get lost in the Balti Triangle. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome hello, to another hello, episode. Hello, hello, Oh, hello, hello, hello. 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 Uh, today we're talking about bread again. It's like bread oh. two weeks in a row. Well, Are we? Yeah, more bread. I don't mind talking about bread. I'm fine with that. I, I love talking about bread. And actually, I mean, it was the whole thing. I don't know if people are still doing it now, but at the beginning of the lockdown of the whole pandemic, everyone was baking bread. I think people have stopped doing that. It doesn't seem quite so popular anymore as it was in the very beginning, but I think bread should still be something that people make at home because it's really, it's really tasty that way. Uh, yes, uh, this bread, however, is something you might struggle to make at home oh. unless you have a tandoori oven because we're talking about naan bread today. Well, you know, if you're, if you're remote working and you're stuck at home, give Order yourself- Order a tandoori oven. Or to make one. Yeah, build your own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is there an Ikea flat pack for that? I'm not aware of one. It is possible. Yeah, if anyone has a tandoori oven at home, let us know. I think it's more of a restaurant thing. I don't think uh, even homes in India, I don't think it's typical to have a tandoori oven at home. No, they'd they'd go to the local bakery person. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? So, we're talking about naan bread, the famous bread from India. Or is it from India? Oh, Uh, of course. It never is, is it? No. (laughs) Yeah, we've never got to the end of the episode and gone, so, it actually, we've never like- Thrown people off that way. I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes it actually is from the place that we thought it was from. Yeah. Pretty sure tortillas were from Mesoamerica, as everyone thought. Yeah, but we didn't throw it out there going, or is it? We just went, you know it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, everyone thinks that naan bread is from India. Yeah. And maybe it is. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, I honestly, from going through the research on this, cannot conclusively say if it is definitely not from India but it's probably not from India. So there is like one strain of possibility that it's from India. All right. Or, and then when you, I'm not going to say anymore, like it, it gets weird. All it right. always gets weird, doesn't it? I That's look how forward it works. to finding out. This the, is exactly the how tale of naan bread. Uh, for those people who don't know, naan is a teardrop shaped bread, or at least the plain version is, baked in the tandoori oven. Traditional clay oven, and mm. you lean in there with all the heat coming from the bottom, and you stick it on the side of the oven wall, and it just cooks to perfection. Yeah, so it's like a vertical oven rather than a horizontal oven that you would typically bake bread in. Yes, uh, it's a thinner cylindrical sort of vertical oven. Uh, not only popular in India, and of course with Indian food and Indian restaurants around the world, but also popular across a lot of South and Central Asia. Uh, in particular, 
I mean, say, well, the northern area of India, because actually if you go to the south of India, you don't get a lot of naan bread. It's more the north, the Punjab, yeah. Delhi in those regions. Um, but also Pakistan, Afghanistan, Bangladesh, Iran, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan and surrounding areas. And I'm hoping that the CIA doesn't have one of those automatically picking up keywords thing. Because <laughs> you just it's, mentioned all the stars. I just mentioned all the stars in one place. And then I'm going to get put on some list somewhere that I am a person to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're not monitoring podcasts, but who knows? Who knows what's happening? The naan bread could be said to originate from North India in some senses. So we're going to have a look at exactly whether it, it does or if it originates somewhere else. Um, but you'll find it in lots of different types of restaurants, uh, whether it's called naan or not, or it's just a flatbread. Uh, different areas have slightly different words, but the word naan is actually quite common. It's quite a common word across all of those regions to describe a sort of flatbread mm, yeah. like this. And we'll discuss the etymology of that as well as we get into this. Uh, so, yes, the best sort of naan is cooked in a tandoor, the tandoori oven. And uh, I, I would say, really, naan bread that's not cooked in a tandoori oven, I don't really feel you should call it naan bread. That's my opinion. No, because it, it's the whole, it, it's the process of the, the way that you make it, right? I think it just comes out better from a tandoori oven. If you cook well, it that, that flat, as well, yeah. If you cook it on a flat pan. It comes out like a flatbread. Yeah, which, I mean, it is still a flatbread. It flat is a flatbread, yeah. But, yeah, I think it just comes out better in a tandoori oven. Something yeah. about that intense heat, uh, you just can't get that if you're cooking it on a flat pan. And you get that nice crisp to it as well if it's... The crispy corner edges, the yeah. bits where it's stuck to the, the back of the oven. Yeah, that works just better. I, I, it's better. It's just absolutely better. So, yeah, you can cook other things in a tandoor as well. They cook tandoori chicken in it, of course. Chicken tikka, normally, cooked in a tandoori oven. Lots of things, but uh, the bread specifically could have, could have become the way it is. And, and we could say that the definitive naan bread these days, the definitive Indian naan bread at least, is because it was cooked in a tandoor and not cooked in any other ways. Mm -hmm. uh, the ingredients, though, a bit more tricky to, to nail down. Some scholars suggest that uh, the reason that it is naan bread, the, the modern naan bread, is that it's a leavened bread, so it has yeast in it, mm -hmm. and that is where it has sort of gained its popularity and fame, and that's what separates it from the unleavened flatbreads. So they're also popular around India, things like chapati. Oh, yeah. Roti. Uh, so it could be something to do with that, or you could say that's why it's different. But then there's also... Uh, unleavened naan breads, and apparently you're allowed to make them as unleavened naan breads. Oh. Uh, so, I, I don't know. So, yeah, flour, water, and salt, of course. Easy peasy. As with bread, you're always going to get that. Uh, typically today, sugar, but original naan breads wouldn't have had sugar in them because oh, they, they wouldn't have. sugar in them. Yeah, but like a small amount of sugar, not like loads of sugar. Yeah. But yeah, slightly sweetened. You'll notice that uh, in a lot of restaurants that it's maybe got a slight sweetness to the bread. I it's haven't really paid attention. I've just been like, oh, yum, 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 yum. Yeah, well, it is yum, yum, yummy. Uh, there's a bit of a debate between yeast and baking powder. So that's the thing. Like these days, a lot of restaurants use baking powder. I've made it with baking powder instead of yeast. Sort of tried to experiment between the two. And yeah, so you can use either now, supposedly. So What's the, the difference in using one or the other? I mean, <sighs> baking powder means it's much quicker to make the bread. Because when you put oh, baking powder so you don't powder have to proof in, it. You don't have to prove it for a long time. So you're going to be able to, after like 30 minutes of, you give it a bit of a knead, you leave it to rest for a little bit, and then you're cooking it. Yeah. That's one of the differences. So yeah, using baking powder is something that a lot of restaurants do. Uh, a lot of different recipes online use baking powder instead of yeast. Some even use a mix of the two to make it extra 
fluffy and crazy. I might try doing that. I didn't realize that before I researched this, that you could mix the two together. So I might give that a go next time I try to make naan bread. Some other ingredients you might add to the dough. Butter ghee, obviously, because it's delicious. It is It is nectar of the gods. It like, really is. It nectar is. of the teats of the gods. Yeah. Dairy deliciousness. The- <laughs> yeah, it is amazing. It is just, I it's amazing. But they might also add yogurt or milk. And I've even seen some recipes with egg. I've tried it with egg as well, but I'm probably not going to do that again. I don't know. Didn't doesn't, think it worked. It doesn't quite work, but you, you could do it. It makes it a bit cakey. And some yeah. people like naan bread that's a bit cakey, but I prefer bread that's a bit bready. I don't really like cakey bread as much. But however you make it, it's pretty important to make sure you get that dough nice and smooth and stretchy. Because then when you roll it out and stretch it out into that teardrop shape and slap it on the interior wall of the oven, uh, yeah, it works. It it has to be pretty flexible. It's a a nice flexible bread to make it it really good. And then, yeah, it's going to bubble up on the inside of the tandoori oven. And then the the guys at the restaurant who I've seen do this, they grab two metal rods, one of them with a hook on the end and one of them just as like a supporting metal rod. And they like lift it out of the oven with those. Yeah. Which is... I can't begin to tell you how hot these ovens are. Oh, yeah. You, you're not like reaching in and pulling them back out again. It is. I don't even know how they put it in in the first place because they do, they do reach in with their hands or they have that like padded thing. I don't know what that's called. Yeah, it's like a mitten Well, it's not a mitten, but it's like a pad that the bread rests on top of. And yes, I've seen them do this. They do use that in Indian restaurants as yeah. well. So they put the bread on top of that pad. They hold the bottom of the pad and then they slap it in and they like roll the pad to make sure that all of the bread connects with the side of the oven. Yep. So they slap it in, but they definitely don't use like they use something like a longer pointy thing to pull it out. Yeah, this is the metal rod situation. Because it's all hot. Well, because you're actually trying to get it off the side of a hot oven. Sticking it to the side of the oven is pretty easy. But if you were trying to use your hands to pull it off a stone wall, it's superheated, you are going to destroy your hands. Uh, But yeah, it is super hot. I think about 450 degrees Celsius. Don't know what that is in magical American Fahrenheit. I have no idea. Ask Google. Yeah. So hot. Not as hot as a, a Naples pizza oven, but definitely very hot and then once it comes out the oven it's not really super authentic unless it's covered in more butter ghee you just got to paste it all over it yeah i mean it's just what's done yeah cholesterol goes out the window no it goes straight into your heart no i'm like no but i'm like watching your cholesterol (laughs) watching oh yeah you can't even see it it's so thick it doesn't like you can't even see it move anymore no it's just cholesterol everywhere (laughs) yeah aside from the plain naan in that teardrop shape you get a lot of stuffed naans that are round a different sort of method with making those you'd put the Filling on the inside and then press it down. Oh, yeah. To uh, push all that filling all the way to the outside. Nice cheesy Um, one for me. It's quite a smart way they make those. It's very tasty. Uh, Let's talk about the history. Then we can talk about some other types of naan as well. And some other interesting little tidbits that we've got today. So, is it possible that there was some sort of naan bread tracing back to ancient civilizations? Yes, yeah, it is possible. It's definitely possible. There's not a lot of written records, of course. Once again, always a bit of a problem. Although the, in, the, the people in India were generally pretty, they weren't too bad with keeping records. Yeah, so. which is why it's surprising. There is no written records. Yeah. But then modern Indian civilization, where you're talking about like the Maharajas of India, that was much later when we're talking about ancient Indian. Uh, Oh, you're talking like well, well old well, India. Well, well old, like three, 4,000 BC. Gotcha. So that sort of time, we're talking about the Indus Valley uh, civilizations. Possibly that is where 
they were making sort of flatbreads that could have been a bit similar to naan, or maybe not, but some sort of flatbread would have been going on. So there's some evidence that they would have been making bread. And yeah, sometime around 3000 BC to 1000 BC, they were probably making some flatbreads down there. Um, the Indus Valley, for those who haven't heard of it, this is, it flows through Pakistan. The Indus River flows through Pakistan, modern day Pakistan. And it spreads like the, the region that would have been occupied by, by those people at that time would have spread almost all the way to Delhi, which is the capital of India in North in the north, uh, it includes the Punjab, which is Amritsar and a few other areas. And Punjabi food uh, is quite rich and heavy. So it's probably something if you've been to an Indian restaurant, especially in England, you've probably been eating Punjabi food. That's quite typical. Mm, That's definitely. the sort of style that mostly got exported. Lots of butter. Whereas South Indian cuisine is more sort of coconut milk and limes. It's and a things. lot hotter and a, bit, a lot more tropical. So the, the food is very different. Yeah. Amritsar, I mean, people maybe think about India as being like this hot place to go but actually in the north in Amritsar in the winter it's pretty cold oh yeah super cold so eating all of these buttery curries and heavy breads is exactly what you want whereas in the south they're not eating that sort of stuff because it's really hot so completely different sort of climates but as always with this sort of thing if it it was bread at some point it's not necessarily going to resemble naan bread today even if a word for it if there was a word naan being used by people in the region there's just no reason that it necessarily is exactly the sort of same sort of bread probably didn't have yeast in it almost certainly was just all unleavened bread at that point yeah so even though you don't have to use yeast today either it, it's yeah something it was bread this is what i'm saying it was bread they had bread we know everyone had sort of bread at that time and yeah i mean as an unleavened bread you're looking at something more like chapati which we mentioned which is sort of today sort of similar to a tortilla like a You'd say it's like flat and thin. Yeah. So a little bit closer to a tortilla, but, but not just, as thin. And Yeah, different. they're thicker and a bit more dense. But amazingly, chapatis weren't mentioned in literature until the 16th century, even though they seem like they would probably have been an older sort of bread than naan. Naan was mentioned before that. So yeah, whatever type of bread was being made, it's pretty hard to prove. That's a bread joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unleavened bread is even harder to prove because there's no yeast, so you've got to wait for the natural yeast to get into it. So it just doesn't really prove in the same way at all. Yep. Yeah. More bread jokes. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Might be a few more of those later in this episode. Got to be warning you. Uh, so the first mention to naan bread specifically uh, in written form was by an Indian musician, scholar, and poet named Amir Khushrao, or Khushrao. Don't know. Bit difficult to pronounce that one. And he apparently had some notes. So this wasn't like released in a book or anything, but he had like loads of different notes about different things that he'd learned about. And maybe he used these to write his poems and things like this. And found in his notes, he was discussing and mentioning uh, naan e tunuk, which means light bread, and naan e tanuri, meaning uh, bread cooked in tandoori oven, in the tanur, tador, tandoor. However, the word sort of derived from that. Yep. And this was apparently in Delhi. So all the way back in the 13th century, the sultans of Delhi were already making this bread, apparently, according to this guy. Well, they weren't. Their servants were. Well, yeah, they were eating this bread. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so supposedly that's what was going on. I couldn't find any actual original source of these notes that he'd written or a translation of the notes. It is all lots of people on the internet saying, this guy said this uh, in his notes. We know how that goes. And we know how that goes. So uh, there is no guarantee that this was the first time that naan bread was becoming popular in India. 
no idea for sure if anyone has access to the original notes <laughs> somehow or a copy of them. That would be interesting, but I cannot find it. But as I said at the start of the episode, the word nan itself uh, is not is almost certainly not of Indian origin. Uh, it's probably traces back to old Persian. That's what I was thinking. I was wondering if that's thing. where you were going to go. Yeah, yeah, a little, uh, much further north towards modern day Iran would have been Persia, and uh, it's possibly connected to the Persian word nagna or nana nana, where like the G is quite soft, mm. so close to nan, and uh, that means unclothed, supposedly referencing that nan is a plain bread without any sort of dressing. Ah. And there was an even older word that was even harder to pronounce from uh, a, a language before Old Persian that I'm not even going to go with it. Like, but it could be that because, yeah, this word derived from that word and then naan bread derived from this word. But the word naan, meaning bread, didn't seem to be considered to be part of the Persian language until a bit later, probably Middle Persian. So a little bit after this, it became that naan bread was actually bread, 3rd to ninth century AD. Yeah. So, yeah, quite a bit later. So it's around this time where if the word was referring to a flatbread, that would be when it was actually sort of connecting together. The dots were starting to join. <laughs> but it's, it's said that it was used to refer to bread in general. So not just specifically to bread made in the tandoori or a flatbread like this. But typically as they were eating lots of flatbreads, bread in general could have been flatbreads. Yeah, so, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that yeah. was like one of the most popular and easiest kind of breads to make. If we want to talk about naan bread, where we're talking about naan bread making a tandoori oven, because that's the best, and that's sort of the real naan bread, in my opinion. Yeah. Even though everyone will argue it's not, there's lots of different types. But yeah, tandoori ovens then are the essential part of this. If we don't have a tandoori oven, we can't be making tandoori naan bread. Exactly. So who invented the tandoori oven? This well, is also... This is it. A lot of people argue over this one. I, from what I gather, from what I've learned, it's probably Persian, but people will fight you for it. Oh, everyone is fighting me for it. Yeah. There is just arguments on every side about how actually this originated. Uh, probably Persia, yes. Quite possible they've had, uh, they've had some sort of tandoori clay oven for thousands of years even, it seems. But then there are other arguments about this as well. So the sort of most commonly accepted story is that it slowly migrated south from Persia. Uh, it could have been brought across the Indus Valley from other areas, from Afghanistan. The sultans of Delhi, supposedly, there's one story that they are like they must have sent someone out, or they must have met with emissaries from Persia, learnt about the oven, and then had them made. Yeah. Because they just like, oh, we can see what this is. Yeah, we'll make, make these for our royal court. That seems to be like one story as to why they were the first guys eating all this tandoori naan bread. Also, there's another uh, group called the Mughals or Mughals. Uh, they became quite important in the region in the 16th century and they'd come east into the north of India, into the Punjab region. So they're one group that maybe were responsible for bringing the tandoori oven in the 16th century, though that would have been because they weren't actually important in the region until then. Which would contradict the story about the sultans, if, if this notes, the notes are to be believed, yeah. then they were already eating naan bread before these guys even turned up. So that would not have been possible for them to have introduced it, but maybe they popularized it in the Punjab because it did become very, very popular in the Punjab. That was like one of their most important forms of cooking eventually. Um, 
Another source claims that sometime around the 13th century, Hindu refugees from Afghanistan were trying to escape the rise of, in- of Islam, and they brought the technology with them. Uh, so that would line up a bit better with the sultans. Yeah. Possibly these guys turned up from Afghanistan and were like, hey, we, we make this food and we have this sort of stuff. And the sultans went, yes. I that, like that. That was my idea. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, peasants. Yeah. That was my idea. <laughs> I will create one in my royal courts. Uh, it's possible. But then these, uh, this technology didn't get into popular use. It was only really used in rich households and royal courts, etc., uh, for quite a while. So the first few hundred years, it was more of a rich man's cooking device. Mm-hmm. So if it was refugees that turned up, um, I guess they could have been important refugees that became... Yeah, maybe it's that. But if they were just not royal refugees of some kind, then I don't see how it, they would have brought the technology it's more like it, it was stolen in some way from them perhaps uh, this is like it's all conjecture so it's really annoying yeah there's all these different things like could have been these guys could have been these guys also one article was talking about actual archaeological evidence showing some sort of clay oven remains in Rajasthan which is just sort of yeah also just mm-hmm. to the west of Delhi uh, dating back to 2500 BC apparently wowza couldn't find much to back this up but um, the possibility that some sort of clay was burnt and then obviously had been used for cooking in an oven formation I guess it is possible that this exists but I can't find the original confirmation but if that was true, then they could already have been baking bread in these ovens in the Indus Valley. So we're back to where we started right at the start of this discussion. Mm-hmm. But they were making some sort of bread, possibly in an actual clay oven rather than as a flatbread on a pan or on stone. So don't know. And then there is also the thing that it just so happens that throughout history, and we don't know why, things just happen in different places at the same time. Like things are developed. Yeah. I mean, just it takes a few merchants or traders just walking through an area and going like, ooh, making bread like that looks great. I'll do that. I'll go home and figure out how to do that. Yeah. Like, we already know how to make clay. Let's make it into a tandoori oven and, and let's get it done. So, I mean, from all of this conjecture, the, the only thing I could really draw out of this is that it seems likely that the Persians already had a tandoori oven before the 13th century. It's definitely a matter of record that they were using the word naan for breads yeah and that flatbreads were very popular at least possibly from the very latest the ninth century but probably much earlier than that and it's very interesting that in north india they have lots of different types of bread roti chapati paratha well it's more from south india but they have like different types of breads like this and but they have this one name naan for the bread cooked in the tandoori oven or something that's like similar like that. Whereas in Persia, it's like all the bread was called none. Mm. So it seems sort of almost strange that they invented it and then Persia went, okay, we'll have that. And now all of our bread is this because <laughs> it's not. Whereas in India, they already had all these other types of bread, which, yeah, it, it sort of does lay a bit of strength to the fact that Persia or somewhere else in another region, other the North India actually invented naan bread and tandoori naan bread, in fact, as well. Yeah. So that's my, that's my opinion. Once again, can't really prove it, but I reckon that's sort of what happens. Uh, but definitely from that point, from the 13th century, it started to become a lot more popular uh, in North India. 
from the the Mughals turning up in uh, in the early 16th century. They were starting to eat their naan with kima, which is like minced lamb, or with kebabs. Yeah, that's your favorite type, isn't it? Ah, kima naan is good. Uh, they weren't necessarily stuffing the breads with kima initially. They were just eating it on the side. And then I guess they figured out where they could put it inside the bread and go, ooh, ooh. that's all right, isn't it? Apparently, this is a typical breakfast food, ah. surprisingly. So. Well, could they have like put it on top like a lamachun? Well, it, they didn't necessarily have to. They just had it on the side and then mixed them. Yeah, put it on t- I mean, yeah, you would put it on top and eat it. That is an option. But uh, no, they just ate it with it is the information that I found. The tandoor oven became a sort of staple way of cooking flatbreads in, in that region, in the Punjab. And uh, unlike other types of breads that are cooked on a tawa, so a chapati would be cooked on a tawa, it's like a flat metal pan without high sides. It's just totally flat, so it's easy to cook bread on. Yeah, two different types of bread, really. Now, flatbread remained a delicacy for all the North Indian royals and due to this expensive tandoori oven. But uh, by the 1700s, it started to spread out into other classes within Indian society. So it wasn't just a rich man's food anymore. And um, uh, eventually they actually started making these ovens in a more public way. And in Amritsar and, and other parts of that area in the Punjab, uh, it was sort of decreed that neighborhoods would have a tandoori oven, like a communal oven. Mm. It's a good way to bring people together and also to give people the opportunity to make bread easily in one place. And lots of societies do that around the world now. We have the same in Morocco. They have communal oven Absolutely. And everyone just takes their bread there because having an oven at home for personal use is just very expensive and completely And you don't don't have the space for it as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The word naan in English didn't appear until 1780, first in a travel log by William Took who I assume went on a trip to India and decided to write about this stuff. Other countries in Central Asia also use the word naan. Sometimes it's just spelled N-A-N rather than N-A-A-N for those cultures. And the types of bread they're making aren't necessarily in a tandoori oven at all. They're still just making flatbreads and calling them naan. Hmm. So that's happening. But, I mean, as with so, so many foods that we encounter on this show, because one nation managed to popularize the bread as being theirs and it being sold as their food around the world. It's just become in popular culture that we associate naan bread as being an Indian bread and the other forms of naan, even though they're still made today in all these other countries, don't cross the popular imagination as being from those places. But I think are. also those other places, their cuisine is not as well-known worldwide as Indian is, so therefore people wouldn't know of it. Just anyway, huge amounts of immigration from India to all over the world. Yeah. So the knowledge of this sort of cooking style was spread very quickly. And yeah, I mean, I haven't had a lot of these naan breads in those other countries because I haven't been to so many of those other countries. But I have to say, tandoori naan bread is just amazing. Oh, yeah. It's just amazing. I've had so many types of flatbread and the tandoori. It, it's better. It's just better. Speaking of different types of naan, when it comes down even just to the Indian-style naan breads, there are a lot, of course. The plain naan, which just gets brushed with butter. Garlic naan, getting lots of crushed garlic thrown on there and being brushed with butter. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Love it. The kima naan we mentioned, where it's stuffed with minced lamb, sometimes mutton or goat as well as an option. The rukhani naan uh, is sprinkled with sesame seeds. That one's very popular in Pakistan. Mm. Peshwari naan, uh, super popular in, in England as well as uh, northern regions of India, is stuffed with different types of nuts and raisins. So it's like a sweeter, sweeter bread. Um, but they have it as part of a main course. That is not a dessert. It, uh, you'd have it with curries. And why not? Yep. It's 
delicious. Amritsari style naan, which we tried whilst we were in Amritsar, is stuffed with potatoes and spices. Yep, very nice. But also kulcha is another type of flatbread, which is supposedly derived from naan. Now, interestingly, kulcha was what they called it when we had it in Amritsar street side, but they cooked it in what was like a makeshift tandoori oven. Or at least looked like a sort of makeshift tandoori oven. Wasn't an old oil drum? It was an old oil drum filled with concrete. Yeah. And then with a hole in the middle where they put all of the the coals for the heat and then they stuck the bread on the outside of this. So weird. So actually, culture was originally invented as sort of um, the poor man's naan bread, where they would cook it on the tawa, on the flat pan, Mm. rather than in an oven. But this eventually evolved into a sort of crossover between the expensive tandoori oven that's like formed from clay as a pot. And so it's, it's more expensive and complicated to make because they're pretty big to just sort of like, um, yeah, this is sort of stone kiln type thing where, um, yeah, it could be made from brick, could be have, yeah, sort of stone sides. And it's a bit simpler than, uh, than forming this perfect tandoori oven. So that made it cheaper for people to actually cook that sort of bread in something that's almost as good as a tandoori oven. So that would have been the trick. And, and that would have been one of, the, one of the changes that led to poorer people being able to afford to eat this sort of food. So lots of different types of naan bread. They're all wonderful. I, I like yeah. all of those. Yep. So Yeah, there's not one of them that I would uh, say no to. Tasty, tasty. Now, in terms of popularity around the globe... Uh, obviously, naan bread is everywhere now. I think you can find it in supermarkets worldwide, restaurants yeah, worldwide, yeah. for sure. In the UK, especially, like every single supermarket, you've got packets and packets of this stuff. Yeah, now, not particularly good versions. No, they're normally the <laughs> worst versions, but people suffer and put up with them, apparently. Yeah. Right. It's better than nothing, perhaps. It's true. As we just said, it's not like it's easy to make at home. We used to make our own curries at home. But we just order naan bread yeah. from the local Indian <laughs> restaurant and just go and pick up a few naan breads. So many people always do that and it always drive Indian restaurants insane because you're just like, I'll just have five naan breads, thanks. And they're like, ugh, they're making curry at home. Yeah. No, I mean, it was a thing when I worked at an Indian restaurant at college, when I was at college in England, uh, students would come in, literally just order a kima naan and that was their dinner because a kima naan would cost like £2.50, like four dollars yeah and it was basically a meal because it was meat and bread and it was delicious yeah, you and really everything filling. you need yeah apart from vegetables because students they don't eat students them. don't eat vegetables That's but, crazy. yeah this would happen all the time and drunk people would come in at like eleven thirty at night and just order a naan a kima naan and then they just go and eat it on the street yeah <laughs> like yeah this is it if you didn't want to order a full meal you just go and grab a big fat naan bread and it's wonderful Oh, and kebabs rolled in naan bread. It's oh. like if you go to a, like a fusion, it's like a fusion st- place. So you're getting like a doner kebab meat in a naan bread or a shish now, kebab meat in a naan bread. It is a lot. Admittedly, it's a, you're going to want to be hungry or quite drunk to take this on because it's thick and then it's stuffed with meat. It was amazing. It, it was delicious, but it's a lot. Yeah. Ah, different versions of it. You can get smaller versions, lighter versions. Depends what you want. But super popular in the north of England. A few places in the south I encountered that do it. But yeah, that's great drunk food. Mm-hmm. You're heading home at 11 at night or whatever and you pop past one of those places. Soak up the booze before you yeah. head home. I'm sorry, but naan bread is better than lavash bread or pita bread for, for a kebab, I reckon. It's the best type of kebab. Yeah. Amazing. 
Uh, but one of the reasons that naan bread became so popular in supermarkets, uh, it, it suddenly became this massive thing, was because uh, in 1984, this company, Honey Top Speciality Foods, doesn't sound like an Indian company, but um, opened by Samir Eid. Uh, also, I'm not sure that that's a, uh, that doesn't sound like an Indian name. Eid, I think, is a Middle Eastern name, but mm. I don't know. Don't know the history of this guy. But he opened this um, speciality foods company in London. Maybe he was making lots of different ethnic foods and not just Indian food. And he actually designed, or at least his team designed, uh, this process which made the naan breads last for 13 weeks. So they've put a lot of something rubbish in the <laughs> naan breads so that they have a shelf life of 13 weeks. And they were the first company to do this. And they got all of these naan breads into these retailers because I guess they said, well, this will last on the shelf for ages. So mm. this is great food to buy. And then that popularized it inside. Uh, inside oh, that cannot be good for you. No, I mean, it, I don't know what they put in it, but there's so much rubbish in bread these days. That, yeah. Yeah. Just make your own bread. Make your own bread at home or go to India and eat the bread where they still just make it fresh. Got to be a way to do it. But... Prior to this happening and getting sort of more of a mass supermarket appeal, Indian food started to take Britain by storm as early as 1926, when Veeraswamy, uh, England's oldest Indian restaurant, opened on Regent Street in London, and they were serving naan on their original menu, apparently. Mm -hmm. So, um, this restaurant being the first Indian restaurant, it was actually established by the great-grandson of an English general and his great-grandmother, an Indian Mughal princess. So there's uh, the Mughal people of that yeah. region. Uh, he actually had some ethnic blood coming down to him. So he was a direct descendant of someone from the region who was, a, who was royalty. So I don't know if this is a story. I'm hoping he proved it at the time, that this really was his lineage. Yeah. But, they um, didn't have, uh, what is it, Ancestry.com back then? No, they did not. Uh, but this is what he claimed, at least. And... Um, it became a very fashionable hotspot oh, for the rich I and famous. I wonder how many people were told from family members that they were related to royalty in some way. And then they did like 23andMe or Ancestry and were like, I'm nope. just a common schlub. Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But who knows? Um, this restaurant was opened by him. I don't have his actual name. It just says his relations. So I don't know. Their website was not very specific about this. They played off their... Royal heritage of the royal naan bread and everything else to make this a very fancy Regent Street restaurant because uh, Regent Street is also a very fancy part of England. If you've played English Monopoly, you'll know it's on the right-hand side of the board where all of the expensive properties are. Yes, it's Just, one of the green ones. It's one of the green ones. So it's almost at the Blue Mayfair. Yeah. Like ex super oh, expensive. Very fancy. So yes, quite a fancy place. Um uh, yeah, interesting. I would like to go and visit that at some point. I'm guessing the pricing to eat there is insane. Yeah, for Regent Street, for sure. Yeah, and oldest Indian and oldest. restaurant. I was, but that would be fun. That would be good to experience. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Yeah. I was surprised that uh, it's the oldest Indian restaurant and only opened in 1926. I assume the connection between England and India being hundreds of years long. You would think way earlier, it yeah. It would have been way earlier, but apparently not. All right, so... Finally today, a, a little bit more trivia from English restaurant, English Indian restaurant culture, and a little bit of a callback to giant breads from our last episode mm -hmm. on baguettes. Uh, in Birmingham's Balti restaurant, Birmingham in the, in the UK, not the US one, of course, um, you can buy a family naan, which is basically the size of the table. 
or at least so people claim. <laughs> it's a huge naan bread that just everyone on the table can dig into the same naan bread, apparently. I don't know how they cook this in a tandoori oven. No. So I don't know if the size is being a little bit exaggerated. <laughs> table size. It's big. It's big, at least. Oh, it's um, a very tiny table. But yes, you would eat this with your bolty. Uh, the word bolty actually refers to those metal dishes with the two vertical handles on oh, the yeah. sides oh, yeah. that you get in lots of Indian restaurants. That dish is called the bolty, but also the curry you might eat from inside it can be called a bolty as well. And in a generic way, all of them are called bolties in Birmingham when you're referring to these restaurants uh, specifically. So, yeah, and in, I didn't realize this. Uh, my brother lives in Birmingham and I had no idea. I know he talks about this place in Birmingham where all these Balti houses are. I didn't realize it's called the Balti Triangle. This is along three different streets that make up this triangle, Lady Pool Road, Stony Lane and Stratford Road in Birmingham. Uh, but Balti Triangle is not just a local nickname because there's loads of Balti houses there. Uh, it actually, if you look up Balti Triangle on Google Maps, it is listed as a place. And it will mark out the zone. It, this really is a place. It has now got a place name. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's not just a nickname like some of the, like some areas can be. This As is a, a real place. Is it a place where people go for a curry and they're never seen again? <laughs> yeah, it could be. The mysterious body triad. They're all lost in the toilet somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if they're eating too much vindaloo, then they're almost certainly trapped. <laughs> Some basement toilet where people walk down and never come back out again. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But I would, uh, I would like to go up there and, and visit some places in the Balti Triangle because I haven't actually been and eaten curry in Birmingham. So many visits to Birmingham and never gone out for a curry. No. It's ridiculous. Should do it. We always go to the pub. Yeah. Well, the pub's good as well. Yeah, the pub's good. Yeah. Next time, Balti Triangle. Yeah. All right. That's it for this episode from... Uh, from potentially ancient ovens in Persia or even Rajasthan through to uh, Delhi and the, the sultans and their magical royal bread, all the way to the Balti Triangle. Yep. I'm guessing in the 13th century, the, the sultans didn't realize that their bread would end up on some student table in the Balti <laughs> Triangle in Birmingham. No, no. But there we are. That's where it is now. And that is uh, where it is definitely being enjoyed. As well, of course, in India. If you haven't been to India, it is insane. It is a crazy place to try and visit, but the food is incredible. It is. Yep. All right, that's it for this episode. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully, in a couple of weeks, we'll have another episode out. That's the plan. We'll see how we go. Life is hectic with a newborn, but we are, <laughs> we are getting by and trying to, trying to keep on top of things. And, of course, I uh, hope everyone out there is safe and well. We know there are new lockdowns starting. I'm speaking to different people around the world. And obviously in the news, there's just new lockdowns starting all the time. We might be facing one soon here as well. Yeah. Uh, it's all, it's, it's a rough year for everybody. We know that. So uh, stay safe. And uh, if you enjoy the podcast and want to support us, do head to foodfundtravel.com slash extras. If you want to financially support us, if you just want to in general support us, then please just tell your friends about this podcast. Yeah. More listeners really helps. So that would be fantastic. Or leave a five-star review because they really help as well. Anything less than five star doesn't help so much. So five star is the best amount of stars. All right. That's it. See All you right. in another episode. Let's go get a car. Yeah. Thanks for listening to The Dish. Don't forget to subscribe and keep this podcast on the air by giving us a five-star review on your preferred podcast app or channel. Also, come join our foodie community on Facebook in the Food Worth Traveling For Facebook group. Catch you next time.